Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. everybody welcome to the show welcome to the show today hey this is what my partner has to deal with on a daily basis because i make songs up about everything and i have to say it's pretty fun though <laughs> like it's kind of a nice way to break up the monotony of the day if you, when you're working a lot you can just sing about whatever you see i encourage you to try it and thank you for being here and checking out the show today Today's guest is Miss Alexis Shea, and she's actually a friend of mine here in San Diego. She is on a professional level going through like a, a meteoric rise in her in, in her profession and in her place of work where she started with the company not that long ago, and now she's really escalated quite a bit. So she's an amazing, amazing human. She also has MS, which she talks about in the episode. And, you know, she's just really one of the most well-adjusted and kindest people I've ever met. So... She started telling me about what she's been doing around budgeting and around managing consumer debt, credit card debt, things like that. And we talk a little bit more in the episode about what is consumer debt. But I think this is an issue that so many of us have, and especially, and of course, not not just within the sober community, but, you know... I. For me, when I was drinking, I was not that careful with my money. I didn't really have any practical strategies, and I spent it very flagrantly. So I accumulated a a good bit of credit card debt along with my student loans, which I think a lot of us have. And, you know, it can really feel like we're being swallowed whole by this debt, and it's not a great way to feel. And so I know for many of us in the sober community, as we're creating new lives and and adjusting how we're going through lives, taking a look at our financial standpoints and of where we are financially is a big part of us moving forward and feeling free in our lives. You know, we can we can say all we want that money isn't the most important thing. And of, of course it's not, it's simply money, but having a ton of debt really does, or it really can, I'll speak for myself, it weighs on me. I don't like it. Um, and I really love Alexis's approach because it's very grassroots and she's very open about her own journey with consumer debt. She's very open about her goals on her Shea Budgets Instagram page. And we talk a lot about this in this episode. So if you want some practical strategies from somebody who's actually doing it and who's working with decreasing consumer debt, who's working with budgeting, who's working with creating a new lifestyle that doesn't revolve around spending so much, Alexis is such a great go-to and such a great resource, which is why I wanted her to come on. Because I think sometimes in the world of finance, stuff can get even more overwhelming, or maybe it's just more than we think we can handle to try to like talk to a planner and go into someone's office. But this is very doable. You can look at what she's doing. You can, you know, listen to some of the tips she gives in this episode, and you can start today. When when she and I had this initial conversation a few weeks ago, when I first learned about what she was doing, I... I downloaded this app and I've been tracking my, my spending. And for me, that's been working really well. And it's simple things like that that you can do that add up and make a big difference and really are empowering and being able to free yourself from some of the consumer debt. I think you're going to love this episode. Alexis is just a great person. Yeah, she's a wonderful human. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Coming up in my world, we're going to be doing a webinar at the end of September, mid to end of September, around 
not only stress in the stress response, but really around resilience building and how we can build our resilience, particularly now when we've been under stress for so long with COVID. And I don't necessarily mean under stress as an, oh, I'm this you know stressed out person and my life is really stressful because I know that isn't all of our experiences, but I think globally there has been stress on us as a system, you know, as a countrywide system, as a planetary system. And so within the confines of that system, if we can figure out how to build resilience and we can work towards building resilience within ourselves and within our own nervous systems, we will come out of this better. And so that's something I'm really passionate about sharing I'll be doing a webinar on that and it'll be a a talk different than anything I've done before. I'm still putting it together. I've been doing a ton of research on resilience from a somatic experiencing perspective, from a nervous system perspective. And it's, uh, it's great. There's, there's a lot of really good information out there. So I'm excited to kind of chunk that down and present it to you. Otherwise, have a great day. I hope you're all doing wonderfully well. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe the show. Please tell one friend about it today. That would be so awesome. And it really does help the show grow and continue forward. And enjoy the episode with Alexis. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Miss Alexis Shea. And she has been very openly sharing her story around budgeting and combating consumer debt on Instagram using the name Shea Budgets, which is kind of like She Budgets, but her last (laughs) name is Shea. So she just actually put that together for me. Um, But she's doing some really cool stuff over there. And I'm so happy that she's here with us today to to give us some, some tips and some new ways to approach consumer debt. Because I think a lot of us uh, have it and we're not sure what to do with it. And I think there could be a lot of shame around it. So Alexis is here to give us some practical tips and tell us about her journey and hopefully leave all of us with just a different way to, to look at and approach conquering debt. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's not something I ever thought that I would be into or that I'd be passionate about. But over the past year of getting started my own journey, it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, money is not something that's comfortable to talk about. And that's something I've realized um, just starting this journey. Um, but when I do get the opportunity to talk about what I've learned, I'm excited. So thank you for having me. Um, I kind of just want to start with my journey and kind of where I've been, because I feel like a lot of people start how I started. Um, you know, growing up, uh, my parents both had decent jobs. I went to private school, kind of always I worked, um, but I kind of always got what I wanted. Um, I didn't really, I was never really taught any financial responsibility in any way. Went to college, took out student loans, went to grad school, took out some student loans, um, didn't finish, obviously still have the loans. <laughs> um, and then um, I was married. And um, as you know, I was in the middle of my marriage, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, and so with that, I had to quit my job. Um, and then um, as my marriage started to fall apart, I became increasingly reliant on credit cards because, you know, you don't really want to rely on that person. You're already kind of going through it. I have my health issues and all of that. So I'm kind of relying on the credit cards and trying to dig my way out that way. Um, and then when I eventually was on my own and left with all of this consumer debt and making all these payments, I was kind of like, what the heck? Like, I have a good paycheck. <laughs> like, I'm making good money. Why am I still going paycheck to paycheck? This makes no sense. Um, so finally, um, about this time last year, I picked up a book, um, called your money or your life. Um, it's by Vicki Robbins. Um, and I forget the other guy's name, Joe Dominguez, I believe. 
Um, and that book completely changed my entire perspective on money. Um, it really opened your eyes into the consumer culture we have in America and just this idea that you need to buy, 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 keep up with the Joneses. Um, and reframing the way that I viewed money and how I spent it was huge. And that's what started me on this whole journey towards becoming debt-free, which is my ultimate goal. That's really great. Um, that's awesome to hear. And I think that's a story. I'll say that first. It's a story that a lot of us relate to, whether it's, you know, a divorce or a, a pretty major significant health issue, but there's a lot of times something will happen and it just becomes like second nature to rely on credit cards and um, mm-hmm. to just like use that as a, as a safety net. And I feel like it is really acceptable in our culture, um, which is like crazy really when you think it's, about it. It really, really is. crazy. I mean, even when I just started talking about, I mean, in the book, um, they talk about, you know, capitalism and consumerism and having to buy the nice new car. And like when your car runs out, like right now in my car, I just had to replace the battery. I know it's done. If this was five years ago and I wasn't on this journey, I would be like, oh, well, I need a 2021 Honda Civic to replace it. It's like, no, you really don't. You can get from A to B perfectly (laughs) fine with a car that you can pay off in a year or that you don't even have to have a payment for. Um, So I feel like that is the biggest problem in our culture is that feeling that having a monthly payment is just, it's expected when really you don't have to. Like you think about your paychecks and then the names of all your billers, whether it's Sally Mae, whether it's Honda, whether it's Jerome's Furniture, which is one of the bills I have that I'm trying to get rid of. Like, why am I giving my money to these people? I mean, your money also in the book, they they break down um, the amount of your happiness time that you're giving away to spend this money. And they actually have an equation in the book where you can break down um, how much your actual hourly pay is and how much of your happy time you're giving away by buying these things. And I feel like that really puts into perspective um, what we are giving up by trying to keep up with the Joneses. And it helps you to reframe uh, the way that you look at those things. Yeah, I like that a lot. Any other really significant takeaways that you feel you got from that book? I know you've touched on a few of them. Um, The biggest thing is take the mask off of your money. Like when you, when I was in debt or when I had, you know, I knew I had four credit cards. I knew that they were maxed out, um, but I didn't know how bad they were. I didn't, I didn't want to know. I just wanted to know what's that amount I'm supposed to pay every month. I don't care what the big picture is. Like, I just want to ignore it. Um, But you've got to take the mask off. That's the first step to having any type of freedom with your money is knowing exactly what you owe and how you're going to pay it. If you just keep the blinders on and you could be paying interest rates, you could be losing out on ways where you could renegotiate those payments. So staying in touch with all your creditors and just knowing where you stand is honestly the first step when it comes to um, getting control of your money. And then the second step to me, if you really do want to start this journey, is to track every single penny that comes out of your pocket. So track, I mean, if you're stopping at Starbucks on your way to work and you're grabbing, you know, even if it's like a small iced coffee, which is probably like, I don't know, three or $4 at Starbucks, you do that every day a week, that's 20 bucks a week. Every day a month, that's 80 bucks a month. That could be going into your savings account. And that's another thing that people don't talk about in America. I mean, majority of Americans don't have enough money to make it through two weeks in a savings account. People don't put money aside. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, with COVID and people losing their jobs, I'm thinking that there's going to be a big change in our culture. I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to pivot away from consumerism and people are going to realize that you do need to have your own stock. I mean, the government's not going to bail you out. You do need to be able to protect yourself. Um, So I'm hoping more people go that way. 
but even myself, I mean, I've been working every day since I was 14 years old with nothing to show for it. Like that's kind of ridiculous. Imagine if I put $5, $10 away from every paycheck I've ever gotten where I'd be right now. Um, so that was the other big takeaway is how important an emergency fund is. And I know uh, a lot of people talk about Dave Ramsey. He's a big name in the debt-free community and not everyone agrees with everything he says, but the first benchmark for me was to save a thousand dollars, which you think, okay, that's not going to be enough for three months rent. Like, why should I even attempt to save that? Save it, save a thousand dollars. Like that could be fixing your car. That could be an overnight stay at the hospital. That could be, I mean, it could be a bevy of things. You have pets that could be, you know, life saving treatment for your pet. Um, but it's just important to have. I mean, savings are important to have. You never want to be caught with your pants down. You know what I mean? Like having that emergency fund, it allows you to breathe and not fear, you know, something crazy happening and you not being able to afford it or being put out on the street because you can't afford it. Yeah. Especially, I like that you brought up what's happening now with COVID because I think, mm-hmm. especially now, because the unemployment, the extra unemployment money is has stopped. So I know for yeah. a lot of people that was really helpful to kind of get them over the hump. But because we're really still in the thick of things with COVID, at least here in California, it feels like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, are we looking at another six months where people maybe can't go back to work in the same way or in the same capacity? Um, and if there is no savings, like, yeah, what do we, what do we do? So it will be, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Um, yeah, I was uh, reading yesterday, you know, this time of year back to school is huge for retailers because they all are used to everyone wanting a new notebook, a new folder, but with work from home, I feel like that's money that's not going to be spent. And I think we'll see it again coming the holiday season. I don't think people are going to be rushing out to buy TVs, buy new cars, buy all these things. Just because I think as each month goes on and we're not getting aid from the government, people aren't able to go back to their jobs. People are going to hold on to their money tighter than ever, I think. Yeah. I like what you said about savings. And I know we talked about this a little bit uh, last week when you were telling me about some of what you're doing, this idea of if you have a lot of consumer debt and... And, and I am going to ask you to define consumer debt, um, okay. but I want to ask this question first. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, so if you have a lot of consumer debt and your main focus should be like, I got to pay off my bills, is it... Um, is it difficult? I think it's kind of a tricky mindset thing for people to wrap their head around. Like, should I also be saving or should I also be contributing to a retirement fund or shouldn't I just put like all my money towards my credit card debt because that has the highest interest rate? Like, what are your thoughts on, on trying to do all three of those at once? Okay. So there's a little bit to unpack there. Um, cause there are some differing opinions in the debt-free community. I mean, like any community, there's going to be people who like have one certain way of doing things and the other. Um, for me personally, I think even if it means you're putting $1 aside a paycheck, save, 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 save. So that's another reason why I talk about tracking your spending. Because nine times out of 10, um, when someone says I can't save, it's because they really have no idea how much money is actually leaving their pocket and where it's going. For myself, the first month that I tracked and I was always the person who said they can't save, I spent $400 on like Postmates, eating out, uh, stopping at Taco Bell or whatever to pick something up. And I mean, that's ridiculous. I could have been saving all that money. Um, so I do think when you sit down to analyze, if you are going to pay off your consumer debt, if you are going to do that, you've got to find those pockets where you can save. Like I said, even if it's $1, $2. Now, the second thing you mentioned is, um, is it important to focus on um, the ones with the higher interest rates or the higher amount? Now, this is another um, dichotomy in the debt-free community. It's the snowball method versus the avalanche method of paying off debt. 
Now, the snowball method is where you're paying off your smallest debts first because you kind of get that satisfaction of seeing the money go away. Now, if you're doing it this way, yes, your higher debts that have interest rates are going to collect more interest. So, I mean, from that standpoint, you are going to end up spending more money. Um, whereas if you do the avalanche, you're going to go from your highest debt down to your lowest debt. So you're actually knocking out the ones with the higher interest rates or knocking out the higher balances sooner. I don't think that there's a right way to do anything. I think if you're paying off debt, you're doing the right thing no matter what. Hmm. Um, for me, I like the snowball. I'm, uh, I like instant gratification. So for me to see the small balances get uh, chipped away, that was huge for me. Um, but again, like I said, as long as you're paying off debt, that's what's most important. And I also do think that if you're working for an employer that has a match, yeah, still try to find a way to put some of that money into a 401k or any type of other investment account you have, because that money is making money for you. So I don't think you should shy away from it. Right now, my employer does um, 100% match up to 6%. Um, I'll be honest, I'm only not doing 3% right now. So I'm not getting maximizing my full amount, which a lot of people would disagree with. Um, but for me, that extra 3% I am putting on debt. So while I am, I am contributing, I'm still using some of it to put on debt. That makes sense because you're, you're on this really focused track to like pay your debt down. Right. And it, it sounds like you have, you know, strategies and plans and goals in place that will, that will get you there in a, right. in a timeline that you can really measure. I mean, I, I like that whole idea of taking the blinders off and it is so important because money is so uncomfortable for a lot of us. Um, to be able to just, I did this class with Kimberly Johnson called money in the nervous system. And she's a somatic experiencing practitioner. And it was a lot about, you know, kind of how money affects our insides. And it was really cool. Cause that was the first thing she said too, is like, you've got to go look at all your accounts and just see where you actually are. And then notice mm -hmm. how you feel. Um, yeah. but like start there <laughs> and like notice what's actually happening and, and right. sort of build your capacity to tolerate what's actually happening. And then you can like make changes and, start deciding what to do. Um, but you've got to start by looking. You, it's like when you try to lose weight, like, and you don't want to get on the scale. Cause you're <laughs> like, I don't want to know how much damage has been done, but you'll never see, like, as you start the journey, you want to be able to look back and say, Oh my God, like for me, I'll be honest. I started off with about $35,000 in consumer debt. Um, oh, you did ask me to define consumer debt to me, any debt that, uh, you've taken out to purchase something. For example, I don't, student loans are not considered consumer debt. Medical debt is not consumer debt. Consumer debt is going to be credit cards, car payments, anything that you purchased, like as a consumer. Like that was like an odd choice that you made. What about a, 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 like a mortgage payment? Do you think that falls under consumer debt? I don't as well because property is an investment. Mm. Um, so I don't think. Now I do have my own opinions on buying a home. I don't think it's for everybody. I think a lot of people have this belief that oh you got to buy a house and you know all that. It's not for everybody. For me personally, when I have $35,000 in consumer debt and I have, you know, 80 grand in student loans. I don't really think buying a $200,000 home or condo is right for me personally. Do I hope to one day own property? Absolutely. Um, but for me, it's not the right thing for me, but I don't consider that to be consumer debt because eventually that would be an investment for you. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know you talked about the importance of tracking your money. And for me, I know I've tried to do this in a couple different ways. Um, and you actually told me about this app last week that I've been using and it, it's kind of making me mad a little bit because I'm realizing like, shit, like I'm, I have this monthly budget and I'm sort of like almost halfway through it. And it's only the first week of August. Um, so I can see why people like stop doing it because it does kind of yep. hit you with that. Like, Oh man, I'm going to, uh, um, yeah. 
but it's also so great to see it because it is really clear like, uh, okay, maybe I spend a lot on groceries and uh, I paid to like get the house cleaned, which is kind of a luxury type thing. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just, it's really useful. So I'm wondering if you um, can l- just let people know like some different ways or different tools that you found helpful for tracking your expenses yeah, because um, I've tried a couple of different, I've tried them all. I tried uh, You Need a Budget or YNAB, which was very popular in the community. Um, it's a zero-based budget, so it's one of the ones where every dollar has a purpose, whether that purpose is going into a savings account, paying a bill, whatever. Um, so that works for some people. For me, I didn't like the format. It's just It just didn't work. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't work for me. It didn't work with the way I'm paid. Um, but that is a popular one. So if you've never tried, you need a budget, definitely give it a chance. They also have a very, very robust um, Reddit community that has a lot of good um, advice as well. Um, people use Mint, I think. Uh, people like that. You can link your bank account. You can link your credit card. Again, maybe it's because I have some type of control issues where I like it to be my way of doing things. Um, I, it didn't work for me. Um, another one's called Personal Capital. Same kind of thing. Links your, you links your bank accounts and all that. Works for some people. Again, didn't work for me. Now, the app that you mentioned that I find worked the best for me in um, highlighting my patterns, it's just simple. It's called Spending Tracker. They're not paying me, so I'm not advertising this just because this is just what actually works for me. It's a really simple budget. You put in your income or what you have in your bank account or the the sum of money that you want to total. I think when you and I talked about it, you were like, I just want to budget $1,000 out of what I have. So put that amount in, and then every single penny you spend, you put into the app as um, I forget the, an expense. You can um, color code it. You can label it for a category. And then over the month, it'll give you a chart so you can see where all of your spending goes. And you can, that right there, that chart will show you where you can save money. Like in my opinion, it's very black and white. You can literally see where the numbers are. There's no, nothing hidden there. And you can customize it look the way you want. Yeah, that's great. I, I, uh, I've tried Mint as well. I haven't tried any of the other ones. Uh, I have tried doing everything through QuickBooks, but that got really messy um, mm-hmm. with just like trying to keep like my business and my personal. So I like this app that Alexis is mentioning. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Spending Tracker, I think it's called. Yeah, Spending yeah, Tracker. Yeah, it looks like a little brown wallet for the icon. Yeah, it's free and it's really easy. And I'm the same way. I kind of like just being able to like put everything in when I'm in line at the store buying gas and then Mm-hmm. I like it's just all really laid out and clean. Um, and it is, it's, I think there's some, some part to this and maybe it's the same or very similar as like you're losing weight or starting any new habit where you're going to be uncomfortable with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you've just got to accept that going in like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be maybe uncomfortable with trying to notice where my money goes or trying to save yep. and uh, it's not going to kill me. I'm going to be okay. Uh, but just be prepared for a little bit of, did you experience any of that in the past year, especially oh, when you started? Absolutely. I was going to say, when I first started, ripping the Band-Aid off was horrible for me. <laughs> I, I was just hiding from it, and I just didn't want to deal with it. But I, in reading the book, that's step number one. It's like, just see where you're at. Um, and it was really uncomfortable. Because like you said, I think we talked about, there's a lot of shame in having consumer debt. There's this feeling like you're a bad person because, oh my God, you didn't pay all your bills. When the reality is, majority of Americans have it, whether large or small. We all have that feeling that we want to keep up with everyone. And for most of us, we can't just go out and buy these things in cash. We're going to have to have credit or put it on layaway or make a monthly payment or whatever. Um, So there was a lot of shame in that. But once you own it and move forward, I have no shame. Like my friends will tell you, I'll tell you, I will talk about my debt all the time because I feel like that's the first way of 
being control with it and also getting other people to talk about it. Um, Cause I do find at first I did get a little bit of pushback from people. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. But then as people get more comfortable and realize I'm not coming from a negative judgy place. I mean, this is just a conversation we need to have. Um, you start to see just how many people are in that same boat and how they do have shame and they feel bad about it, um, which I think we need to get rid of that stigma. It'll help a lot of people get from under that rock. Yeah, I agree. Because I think it is yeah. when there's, what's that Brene Brown says about shame? It needs like a dark isolation and uh, essentially you don't communicate about it or talk about it or look at it. And then that's what, sh- that's what grows shame. Um, so just by shining the light on it. And I think it's so great mm-hmm. what you're doing on your Instagram because you you put these like really clear goals each month and you really talk about like, here's what I owe this credit card and this is my plan to pay it off. And here's where I met this goal or oops, I didn't quite meet it. But you know, here's my plan to recalibrate and move forward and being able to look at it over the past few months. It's really cool just to see your progress and to see the openness and honesty. It's really helped help to motivate me with some of my own goals of like what I'd like to make in a month and um, really being able to stick to a budget, hopefully through the, the rest of the year. It's great to see. It's great to see that you can do it and be successful and uh, just take some of the, yeah, like the shame or the stigma off of it. Yeah, I think that was the biggest part for me was finding um, this Instagram community. I don't think a lot of people know. I didn't. You kind of have to know what hashtags to look for to find it. But the debt-free community on Instagram is huge. Um, There's so many people and friends that I've made out there that are either in way more debt than I am or have paid off more debt than I have. And it's just so inspiring to see these people that just come forward like, yeah, we were you know, I think there's like these two med students I follow that are a couple, they're like $500,000 in debt and they're just chipping away and chipping away and just talking about it. And it, there's just a sense of camaraderie um, here that makes you feel welcomed. And there's constantly tips. I mean, on my Instagram, Shea Budgets, I'm always posting tips. Today's Friday, I'll do like a frugal Friday tip. Um, of just little things you can do that you don't think about um, to really help maximize your money. And also um, learning to say no um, to friends. I mean, that was a, one of the biggest things when I first started was saying no to going out or, you know, telling people I'm on a budget. Because I think when people hear that, they automatically think, oh, you're broke or you did something bad. So you, you're like trying to save money because I don't know, there's like some negative stigma there. But just saying like, no, I'm on a budget. And the answer is no, I'm not spending money to do this. You're welcome to come over to my house to hang out. Or why don't we schedule it for this time when I will have money set aside for that. But having that community of people that are saying no to people and learning that it's okay. Like you're not a bad person. In fact, you're almost not a better person than them, but you're a better person to yourself Mm -hmm. by taking control of these things and not digging yourself further into the hole just so it looks good or things look good. Because it it doesn't look good 10 years from now when you haven't saved a penny. Yeah. It doesn't look good. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't. And I think, you know, I wish that I had known some of this information 20 years ago, you know, like, because you you really always can start saving, even if it is like you said, a dollar, $5. And there's this whole thing too, with putting money aside, like, even even money for like taxes, like setting that aside, especially for people yeah. that are 1099 or entrepreneurs. It's like, you've got to really look at that. And for a couple of years, I didn't. And then tax time comes and it's like this huge, like smack in the face. And then that's right. incredibly stressful. So I think that I'll just interject with that little piece here, even though that's not really about con- saving consumer debt, but it can be because if you don't have that money set aside for taxes, then you're making payments to the IRS. And guess what? Those have interest too. So then it just yep. becomes like more things that kind of bury you under this blanket of money you owe and you can't see the light of day and it gets quite stressful. 
Well, not even just that. I mean, with the IRS, um, I owed them as well. <laughs> I wasn't immune to them. Um, and they garnish your wages. So that was another thing that helped me pick up that book. When I first started this job, I've been here for two years. But when I first started, um, the IRS was garnishing my wages and I had to have a conversation with HR. I mean, granted, she handled it the most professional way anyone could. But to like hear like, oh, like a bunch of your money's going to be going to the IRS because you didn't pay them because I didn't set money aside when I was doing my dog walking. So I owe them all this money. And it's like, if I had just set aside $10, $10 here and there, I would have been able to pay it. And I wouldn't have been in that situation. So yeah, just setting money aside, whether it's for debt, whether it's to save. Um, Another thing people talk about are sinking funds. I think I talked about that with you. Um, Sinking funds are just, it could be for anything. Right now, I've just started a Christmas sinking fund. So $5 every here and there, just throwing that away. Um, So when December comes, I'm not like, oh, how am I going to buy people gifts? Like I want to be able to buy gifts for people for the first time ever. I've never been able to do that. So just having the discipline of paying yourself first by putting money aside is huge. It's a huge thing that you can learn, whether reading these books, um, taking a look at the debt-free community, um, reading uh, Dave Ramsey, um, but just having that discipline of not spending every dollar that comes into your pocket. Yeah. And that's a big mindset shift. So I know another big part of looking at this money picture is, you know, savings as well as, um, paying off your consumer debt and then even retirement funds and investments. Um, what do you think about, like, how does that factor in for you personally? Or if you have any advice or tips that you've picked up from the debt-free community around when is the best time to start a retirement account? And, you know, what do you recommend? So for me personally, I will admit I'm a baby when it comes to investing. Um, for myself, I because I have so much consumer debt, that's kind of been my focus. Like I said, I do contribute to my 401k with my job and I do have my own um, savings account with Ally, which I think they're at like a 1% return right now. So I definitely, I'm always advocating saving and investing, but as far as like Vanguard accounts and when it comes to like the ETF, I don't even really know what those things are, but I do know that it's something that is going to be on my long-term for my journey. So if you are where you don't have consumer debt, but you're trying to figure out what to do with your extra money every month. And instead of, you know, buying things, look into investments. I, uh, Vanguard, we've talked about, they're a pretty popular uh, broker. I think to start with them, I think you have to have $1,000 to start an ETF account. Or you don't. Free? At least, I mean, with, what I have with Vanguard, I think I started with $100. And then I just have, um, and it's like a mutual fund. So it invests in the market generally. So you're not investing in any particular stocks. You're just investing in, in a couple things across the board, mutual funds. Okay, yeah. But it didn't. I mean, I started it when I was like, oh, I don't think I can afford to start investing. And my brother was like, just do it. Just pay off your debt and do this yeah. investment. And especially because I've been you know, an entrepreneur or a contractor for most of my professional career, and I don't really have a company to match anything or a company that has a 401k set up. That's a really right. nice route to go is to have the Vanguard or like a Betterman account. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That was a good point that you brought up as well. For a lot of people who don't work for a corporation that's going to give them the 401k, I strongly suggest looking into the accounts that you mentioned. Um, I think investing, like I said, is somewhere I hope to be um, more focused on later on, but I know it's something that's huge in the community and that will, I mean, pay off tenfold for you the more that you look into it. I have people I follow who are debt-free and have been investing and I mean, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars saved. That's definitely my long-term goal. So I definitely think it's something people should look into. I know it's really important. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of moving pieces to this too. So I think if it is overwhelming at all, then let's just take it one step at a time. Um, But these are all kind of pieces of the puzzle. 
What right. would you, if you had to narrow it down to like the top three strategies um, for people who are new to all of this, who want to get started and who might feel overwhelmed or have some of that shame, like what would you say are the top three things to get started with? The first three things I would do um, is take the band-aid off, like we mentioned, list out all of your expenses, all of your monthly bills, all of your debt, every single thing that you owe. Next step, uh, list all your income. So then right there, those two numbers next to each other, if you can see if your expenses are more than your income, then you need to you know, slice those things off or maybe get a second job. I did pick up um, a second part-time job for a while during my journey. I'm working a couple about 10 to 15 hours a week. Um, to help just accelerate my payoff. So yeah, look at those two numbers, see where you're at. And then thirdly, track your spending. Spend a month tracking your spending. Don't even try to set any guidelines where I'm not going to eat out. Because when you get started, you're going to do that. Like these are habits that you've built over X amount of time. Don't expect overnight like weight loss. It's not going to happen. Don't be hard on yourself. Track your spending. And then at the end of the month, look at the numbers that you have and start to see where you can save, start to see where you can cut. And then just keep going on your journey. Pick up books. Read Dave Ramsey. You don't have to agree with everything he says, but he's definitely eye-opening and starting a conversation about things people aren't comfortable with. Um, read the book I mentioned, Your Money or Your Life, Seven Habits of Successful People. Read all those books. They're not the Bible, but pull out some of the things that work for you um, to really get you started and get going on your journey. And honestly, the biggest thing is just learning not to keep up with the Joneses. Just starting to realize and find happiness in things that aren't a brand name, aren't shiny and new, that are just more like life experiences, like hikes with friends, having money to travel and have those type of experiences rather than a monthly payment. Yeah, I think that's a really solid point. And just, um, yeah. I know I love that you mentioned Jerome's furniture. I, um, I, did, <laughs> I, did this, I did this little interview on LinkedIn today and for some reason there was all these comments coming and I guess they had the wrong thread, but it was about this like warranty on a couch and these people asking about couch delivery, which had nothing to do with our our live stream, but I commented, I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever had like a warranty on a piece of furniture before. Yeah. But it's like that stuff where we really think we need this. I will say I, I like to have a good mattress. So I spend money on that, but that's like, you only need it once okay. every so often. And I think we all probably have our things where we're like, no, that I actually need to spend money on. And you know, I don't know. There's so much psychology that goes around it. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like, we're not, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, if you, if you like a new car, get a new car, but you know, have that conversation with yourself of, do I need it? Or is it going to fit into my budget? Like if, let's say, for example, I decided I need to have a new Mercedes. Okay. Well, I'm going to pay off all my debt or, and make sure that that, that monthly payment for that Mercedes isn't going to put me in a doghouse, like live within your means make sure that that is within your means. And I think that's another thing that as Americans, we're not taught to live within our means. You know, we're taught to idolize the Kardashians and people who are billionaires thinking that, oh, we'll be there one day. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> so get realistic. <laughs> get realistic about your money. And, you know, you'll just be so much happier if you're making your money work for you instead of being a slave to your monthly payment. Yeah. And that is how you build wealth, you know, which is mm -hmm. ironic. Exactly. Yeah. And I went through that when I bought, I was in a car accident about a year ago. And so I had to get a new car and I, you know, had a decent settlement to put for a down payment. But I remember sitting in the dealership and I could get the car I have now, which like is a 2017 Subaru. And I did all my research and like it was priced well. And then there was this other one that's like a 2019, you know, same car, but two years newer. It had the whole like right. Apple touchscreen. It was nicer. But my, yeah. My payment would have gone up from like, 
something that was within my budget to something that like, I was like, Oh, I mean, I could swing it. And I remember like sitting in that dealership and really like weighing the options. And finally I was like, just get the one that's in your budget. This isn't a hard decision. Right. You know, so I did, and I'm so glad that I did, even though it's not, you know, it's not quite as quiet and, but it's great. Like I love it. It's super blue too, which is really nice. Um, and it's not going to stretch you. Exactly. Like I know yeah. I can manage the payments. I can pay more every month. Like I'll pay it off, you know, relatively quickly, hopefully. And yeah, but it was, there was definitely those moments of that pull of thinking like, Oh, like I should just get the newer one. It'll, you know, for mm-hmm. all these in our rational mind, I think tries to like, difficult sometimes to distinguish between like bullshit and actual like rational thoughts yeah where because our brains get so crazy they're like no but for this reason and it's safer and it has all these safety Mm -hmm. features which it did but you know also just drives defensively and right well it's like yeah it's two years worth of safety features really gonna make you know that much of a difference you know what i mean that's what it comes down to and there's a lot of we talk about this there's a lot of lies we tell ourselves about things um, that we're not real about, um, like even like feeling like you're not going to be worthy if you don't have X, Y, and Z and just finding that self-worth is, was huge for me on this journey was realizing that like my things, my belongings don't define me and talking about my debt, like it doesn't make me a bad person. If anything, I've had people reach out to me that I've hadn't talked to in years who've messaged me and been like, you know, reading what you said has helped me do X, Y, and Z, or can you help me get started? Like, I don't know where to go. And like, I found so much positivity from facing this head on and being on this journey. And like I said, I'm super passionate about it. So I'm I'm really glad I went this way for sure. Yeah, It's great. And it feels really empowering too, to just like take a look at everything. And then I know talking to you when we talked about this last week, I was like, yeah, that's great. Like I really, (laughs) and just, you know, I didn't know you were doing this project. And then since I've gone and um, checked out your Instagram quite a lot and it is, it's really, it's empowering and it feels good to know that like, I do have a say in this. I'm not just a victim of like my own debt or a casualty right. of the system or yeah, there's choices we make. What are some of the biggest categories that you, or some of the biggest things I know you mentioned like eating out and Postmates. What are some of the other biggest categories you feel like you've really been able to cut out and weren't aware of initially? I think eating out was huge. Um, I recently, well, gyms kind of got canceled because of COVID, but during COVID, I realized I have everything I need to work out at home. So canceling my gym membership, that was huge. Other than that, uh, shopping when I don't need to, a big thing was I stopped going to Target for six months and forced myself to shop at Walmart. Now, ethics aside, don't get me wrong, I Walmart's not an ethically great company, but when you're at Walmart, I'll just be honest, they don't have the bells and whistles that Target has that like kind of like grabs your eye and makes you want to spend, oh, it's only this, so it's only that. Walmart, you kind of want to get in, get out, and just get home, <laughs> you, you <laughs> get do. out of that environment. So for, I mean, that was huge for me. And honestly, over the past couple of months, um, I did get a raise in my job, so I kind of have gone back to Target. And I've noticed it's made a big difference if I've wanted to pick up little things here and there. So just being more mindful of that was huge for me. Um, Otherwise, I don't really spend a lot of money on like a lot of like random things. It's really with food. Mm -hmm. I eat out, you know, I live kind of in a trendy area. So like wanting to go out and grab a beer or stuff like that. And those are the hardest things to say no to. But then once I got my budget and I was able to treat myself or know when I can spend that money, it became easier and more second nature to me. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool tip about Target and Walmart. Yeah, I was thinking I bought this like spa towel at Target last time I was there. And it's so nice though. I'm really happy I bought it. I was like, I should go back and get Nick one. He doesn't need one. 
But like, because right. he doesn't care. But it's really this like fluffy town. There's ten dollars. Mm-hmm. But like conversely, yeah, we had to stop at Walmart before we went camping a couple of weeks ago to get like this air pump filter thingy that we needed and they had it. Um, but yeah, we really wanted to like get in and get out of there. He was like, I'm going to wait in the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like a fight in there. You don't want to be in there for <laughs> a long true. time. Target, you want a gallivant, you walk aisle by aisle. They have that partnership with that Joanna Gaines girl from HGTV. They have really cute home decor right now, which mm. like super crippling me. I'm trying not to spend any money, but um, Target just has a different, it's got a spending atmosphere that I think Walmart doesn't have. Yeah, that's, so that's a, good a little tip, tip for me, for me, me personally. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny too, is I was just like delighting in that towel earlier. But I was thinking about it, I was like, hmm, how much did I spend at Target that day? It was a lot. Right. Well, thank the you. The other thing I learned, oh, yeah. uh, oh, sorry, this last thing, rich people don't spend money. I know. That was I the know. biggest thing I realized. Rich people do not spend money. Like, And if they do, they question it, why they're spending it. And yes, you'll see them having the nice things, nice this and that. But they're very strict about their budgets and they hate seeing money leave their pocket. So as consumers, we got to realize that they're not just spending thrifty like we do. They're careful with their money. So you should be careful with your money too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a piece to this too, that like having a whole bunch of crap after a while just like really gets debilitating and depressing and Mm -hmm. that can become super overwhelming. I had a a minimalist, a woman um, who's amazing, Carrie Fortin, and she talked about just helping people clear some of this stuff out because it's like we buy all these things that are supposed to like help us feel better, but then they don't. And then now we're now we've got debt piling on top of us and our belongings and it becomes yep. like difficult to navigate our way through all of that. It was very overwhelming, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So less is more. And that being said, like with, I've been trying to do this budget and then I plan this backpacking trip and I'm like, oh, I, I, I need to go buy a jet foil. And right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really, I'm like, okay, I have to see like, what am I earning? How much can I actually spend? But it's making me think more than I would normally. Cause I would just love to go to REI and spend $500. Cause of course you that's, I know it's <laughs> like, I need amazing. a new backpack and you know, really nice socks. But instead I'm like, all right, where can I get some of this stuff a little cheaper? Like, can I use a backpack I already have. Um, yeah. And uh, let go and offer up a great way to find things. That's how I found that couch that I was going to go to Jerome's and get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that great couch, but also a good place to sell your things. If you do have a lot of things, yeah. I sell stuff and I, that extra money from what I sell, I put in my savings account. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. If you do have like more than you want, or I think if you start yeah. looking at things every day, I just had this conversation with my mom and she's like, I hate this chair. And I'm like, get yeah. rid of it. Like, why are you looking Sell at it, it every day? Someone yeah. will buy it. Even yeah. five bucks. Sell yeah. It. Just yeah. get it out of your face. So, um, well, thank you so much. Tons of really good information around, I think, mindset with money, as well as practical tips to, to start changing some of your habits to get rid of consumer debt and like, yeah, start saving and be happier, yeah, be, be empowered. Yeah. Hopefully you gave some good tips. Um, feel free to follow me on my Instagram um, at Shea Budgets. Uh, I have all my tips, very transparent. You'll see everything I owe on there. So ask any questions if you do, feel free to reach out. Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great Instagram to follow and I'll absolutely post that in the show notes. But if you're interested in any of these, Alexis makes it very practical and she's very approachable. So I recommend if you're just getting started or you need a, a kickstart kind of like I did, um, it's a great, a great resource to go and check out. So thanks for taking the time. Awesome. To yeah. Thanks for having me. You're this welcome. was fun. Was fun. <laughs> All right. Bye. bye.